0: Welcome to Great Minds, and our guest today is Ed Asner. Ed is the most decorated actor in the history of television. He has won more Emmys than anyone else. He's the only actor who has ever won an Emmy for playing the same character in both a comedy and a drama. And uh, it is an absolute privilege to talk to the one and only Lou Grant. So, Ed, welcome. Thank you. So, Ed, you, you wrote a book last year, a, a memoir, called Son of a Junkman. And I'd love to start our conversation going back to West Bottoms in Kansas City. And um, my uh, grandparents were also uh, Russian-born Jewish immigrants. And, Ed, mm-hmm. there's something about the, the work ethic of immigrants. Oh, boy. And yeah. I'd love to get your perspective on that. And ask how your parents ended up in Kansas City, of all places.
1: It must have been because, I, and I gather, it's because of uh, no Nobody thinks to pick themselves up from uh, Belarus and uh, get on a... He uh, spent a year in Boston, my dad, working in hard labor there, I guess. And uh, I guess... Uh, Either fellow workers or uh, uh, he came to know of a a relative or a friend of the family who was in Kansas City. So that became the next stop. He uh, started uh, collecting junk soon after his arrival.
0: And you worked in the junkyard? Yeah. And I saw an interview with you, and you, you would look for interesting, particularly interesting items. And I read somewhere you found a book from the 1850s that was in mint condition?
1: A beautiful leather-bound copy of Alexander Pope. The years have overrun it. it. It dealt with Roman history.
0: Amazing. And I know you, were, you played football uh, in school and then ended up working on the assembly line for General Motors.
1: Right, uh, which was uh, like slave labor. It was an open-shop union so it was not beneficial, too beneficial for a uh, common working stiff. I then went back to Chicago and said I'd never go back to a, an assembly line again. Uh, this is while I, while I was working at the uh, uh, steel, steel mills in Gary
0: as a hooker
1: helper. And uh, then I heard how much they were paying at the, uh, at the Ford plant. I said, I can't can't afford to lose that kind of money. So I went and I applied and I got a job as a metal finisher at the Ford plant and was quite happy with the results.
0: And you were also doing some acting in Chicago at a playwrights theater company and then came to New York with the Compass Players?
1: No, I didn't come with the the players. I came individually. I wasn't uh, joining groups necessarily. I was taking part, giving them my talent, and taking their money. But I I didn't become a member of the group. Uh, They primarily were focused on improv, and that was not my forte.
0: Ed, your career going back to 1957 uh, and your first appearance, I think, on Studio One, you were there for the birth of television, and... Uh, you also worked with some incredible people both uh, on Broadway, TV, and film. And I guess one of your early roles was on Broadway in a play with Jack Lemon going back to 1960.
1: Yeah, James Donald, Betsy Blair, Russell Collins, Albert, uh, oh, what the hell was his name? Big Goon. I can't remember.
0: And in film, you also worked in, I think a couple years later, with Elvis Presley.
1: That was uh, Kid Galahad. I had moved to California by then.
0: All you had were your empty pockets and a shine
1: on the seat of your pants. Don't push me, Willie. I'm a grease monkey that won't slide so easily. Shut up, I said. You can't yell out to make me shut up. Well, I'll tell you what I think of the fight game. I think it
0: stinks. Do you remember what it was like being a young actor then and being on stage with a Jack Lemon, being in film with Elvis? Were you awed by it coming from where you did in West Bottoms or it was just what you did?
1: I don't remember being uh, head over heels. I found uh, Elvis very nice from the get go, a sweet talking person and uh, very open to uh, listen to what she had to say. So he gave us as good as he got, and he repeated the act again later when we worked together in "Change of Habit." Fantastic,
0: and and Ed, you had went on to all kinds of roles, but came into our lives on Saturday nights, uh, where you made an indelible impression on pop culture history in 1970 uh, with the Mary Tyler Moore Show.
1: Drink and drink and
0: Certainly make it all seem worthwhile Well, it's you, girl, and you should know it With each glance and every little movement you show it. Love is all around, no need to waste it You can never doubt. give us some reflections on James L. Brooks and Alan Burns, the creators of the show and your remembrances of them.
1: James L. Brooks was, was always uh, the provoker. He nudged ahead of everybody else. Uh, Alan Burns was the one who put the pieces together and, uh, he was a lovely, lovely fellow and I will miss him greatly. I do miss him greatly. Jim is still with us. Thank God. And, um, he uh, was uh, was the innovator of the the
0: two. Did you know then, Ed, that you were breaking new ground with what that show meant then and what it still means today?
1: No, I, I didn't know that. I just knew that we were having fun and and uh, we were getting laughs while we were having fun.
0: Yeah, I saw a uh, clip from a reunion that you did in two thousand eight with Oprah Rinfrey with all the living members of the cast, I guess everyone except for Ted Knight. And it sure looked like everybody was happy to see each other again.
1: Yeah, yeah. And we were amazed that someone, uh, Oprah, would put out all that money, all that guilt to um, reconstruct the uh, the Mary Tyler Moore set. That was amazing.
0: And, Ed, there are so many great comedic moments in the show, with Ted Knight in particular. Was it some hard times hard for you not to laugh, because we were sure laughing watching it?
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Ted was the funniest man I ever worked with.
1: I must say, he is taking it pretty quietly. No, Mr. Grant must have told him by now. <laughs> <laughs> If it's bad news, Lou, I'd rather not hear it. Ted. I'm not strong, Lou. Some people take bad news rather well. I mean, it rolls right off their back. But not me. I take bad news badly. I don't want to hear any bad news. Ted, I-, I can't help it. Sure you can, Lou. But if you were thinking of firing me, you could change your mind. Ted, I'm not thinking of firing you. Oh, <laughs> well, that's great news. <laughs> that wasn't the news. No, I can't take bad news. <laughs> Unless it's about you, I might be strong enough for that. Until I got to work with uh, Will Ferrell. And he, Will Ferrell t- topped him. And uh, that impressed me more than anything. that somebody could top Ted Knight, it was quite an achievement. But they were both enormously funny.
0: And you had a special relationship with Mary Tyler Moore, didn't you?
1: I thought I so, yeah. Uh, I felt like I was uh, one of her men and uh, that she suffered me to uh, do my duties as her man.
0: The show was unique in that it, it went out on top after seven seasons. Um, and I guess the producers just felt they had done everything that they could do. Did you want it to continue? Was that the right decision?
1: I would have. I think everybody who had a job after Mary, and that includes Gavin and Ted and whoever else is there, the women, I think we would have gone on and on and would have dispensed with any new activities as long as the producers thought that they had something more to say.
0: I guess with the age of streaming that we're in now, the show is on again. Do you ever watch the show or do you have a particular... I haven't,
1: seen it. I haven't seen it in years. I would like to see it, and I, uh, I should make an effort. I think, I think it's worth it.
0: We still watch it all the time. It's still funny. Oh, do you? Yeah,
1: oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I need to give myself a treat.
0: Oh, you should. You should I, listen, it's, it's, it stands up. And when, when the idea of the spinoff for Lou Grant, which went from comedy to drama... Um, Whose idea was that, Ed, and was it something that you embraced?
1: That was the combined idea of of, uh, Jim Brooks and Ellen. And I have a feeling it was Jim Brooks who pushed it more because he came from journalism and uh, he wanted to get into the big time by endorsing it once again. And so he did. And Gene Reynolds was uh, the added producer and Gene uh, worked his butt off, familiarizing himself with the state of Savers at that time. And uh, he did a good job. He knew how to set up the arrangement, and uh, we thrived with uh, the setup he created.
0: Now uh, Another fantastic show. You talked earlier about your experience working on the assembly line at General Motors and then later at Ford and I know later in your life you became very active as a voice for unions you were president of SAG did some of that activity that you undertook so passionately did that go back to your earlier experiences and what you saw yourself
1: yeah I can remember well I'll give you an example when I was working at the open shop in uh at the Bill at Gozoville the, plant in Kansas City. And uh, I, I had a girlfriend in Chicago at the time, and she was preparing to go to Europe with her parents and be there for months. And uh, we decided that it would be great if she came down to Kansas City and we spent the weekend together, except that we were supposed to be working on the sixth day, which was Saturday. And I said, well, I'll I'll just have you call in sick for me as my sister. So, okay. She called in. She made the call for me. I was uh, jotted down as being sick on Saturday, a day we were supposed to work. And uh, everything was okay. I went to work Monday and went to the time card slot. My card wasn't in there where is it it's the general foreman's office I said, ah, okay so I went to the general foreman's office and he said well he wants to see you okay so I came in to see him or well, somebody else I guess covered for me on the line and he said where were you on Saturday I said I was sick I said what was wrong with you I said my feet were killing me and he's sitting on his ass And he said, well, my feet were killing me, too, but I was here. This is going down as a black mark on your record. And I thought, oh, my God. The man thinks I'm going to live in terror that I had to be in there every Saturday or it's going to be further black marks on my character as if it meant something to me. And I was laughing inwardly because it didn't mean a goddamn thing to me. So here I was with uh, the general foreman trying to scare me and failing, but I didn't tell him that. And uh, I, thought, I thought of all the other workers who would show up on Saturday because they didn't want those black marks. And uh, I said, well, you're a stronger union when you've got something like that. And then at that time we, we got stronger unions, but... They've slowly been wasted away since then.
0: I remember when Lou Grant was canceled in 1982, it was still in the top ten, and CBS just did not like that you were very politically active.
1: It was, yeah, I guess it was CBS, too. It was also the principal sponsor of Washington. I? an Irish name. I can't remember what the hell his name was. Uh, who owned uh, the right to marry Moore? to Lou Grant, actually. It was the Lou Grant show that was canceled, and he did it. He did mm. it.
0: But you uh, have always been very politically active, and I loved your book, not only Son of a Junkman, but I also loved The Grouchy Historian, uh, which I thought was a great read and a very unapologetic you know, view of all the craziness that we've seen in this country the last several years.
1: You know, I'm also intrigued by the fact that police unions certainly don't look like the the sharpest thing on the block with all of the police killings. And the latest ones certainly don't help the cause of police unions when we know that they remove the stigma of the killings as best they can, or at least the stigma of trying to reduce the power of the unions on the one hand i'm you know i, I support that reduction of power but on the other hand i regret to say that uh, it is the, the power of unionism that uh, I, I i tend to fight against uh, at this point
0: right. so you've been a, a eyewitness to history ed and not only is someone who's been very active politically But you also played an interesting role in one of the seminal TV programs of our time, which was your role as Captain Davies in Roots, um, which at that time, you know, that was an enormous program, what Alex Haley wrote. Reflecting on your role there and what you've seen, what's happening now politically in this country with race do you think we've made progress? Are you disappointed with where we are? Um, is there a way forward for us out of all this mess?
1: I think we're at a very signal moment in history in this country. I think we have gone along and, and skirted over the problems uh, that blacks have faced, the people of color have faced. Uh, and going on to the next crisis, and the next crisis, and the next crisis. And I think that with these killings, with Black Lives Matter and Ferguson and Minneapolis and whatever, and now uh, uh, this other Minnesota killing, I think we've reached a signal moment in history where, the white majority of our country is going to have to realize that there are other people besides whites and take cognizance and, and grant equality wherever we can. If we don't do that, then there's going to be more and more bloodshed. And I think most whites have begun to realize that. So that this is a, an important time in history. And uh,
0: we we better handle it carefully. In your grouchy historian book, I particularly loved how you started with a chapter about why you wrote the book and a quote from Thomas Paine, whose book Common Sense in 1776 was a seminal work at that time. Are you amazed at the lack of common sense of what we see now uh, with the, the far right in particular?
1: I know it from my own experience. I know that I, I dismiss black prejudice. Uh, I gloss over it. Uh, I gloss over L- Latino uh, discrimination. Uh, I didn't have that much to do with uh, Asians, but uh, I'm sure I would do the same with them, except that I you, you you cannot you, you cannot judge Asians who who were pounding out philosophy long before the whites never knew how to spell it. I, I think we, we know that the indiscretions and inappropriate address that I made as as a, as a youth and as a young man I can no longer get away with that, and I shouldn't. So it's. Um, I look forward to the new America.
0: Are you optimistic?
1: Yeah, I think, I think, I think we're smart people. I think we can learn. And it won't be the America that the whites uh, thought they owned, but uh, it'll take a few successes and, and habituation, and we'll adjust, we'll adjust.
0: So shifting back to our earlier conversation, you talked about Ted Knight being the funniest person that you knew and worked with up until Will Ferrell. And that was when you made Elf and played Santa Claus. Can you reflect on that and comments about working with Will and that movie, which has really, really become another part of pop culture that you are deeply embedded into?
1: I'm singing, I'm in a store, I'm singing, I'm in a store no singing in the North Pole. Yes, there is. No, it's not. We sing all the time. No, it's not. Especially when we make toys. See? He had total conviction in his character. He believed in his health more intensely than Ted believed in Ted Baxter. If he was already there, I had no choice but to follow him and believe along with him. And they knew how to write for him.
0: No, it was, uh, he sure did make us all laugh. So, Ed, you've also worked with some other incredible people over the years. I believe you did a film early in your career with John Wayne when you played his adversary in the 66 Western El Dorado. What was that like?
1: Well, I came onto the show thinking that John, John Wayne was one of the leaders of the anti-liberal coalition in uh, Hollywood and fearful of him and wary of him and he tested me on the first day of work and I uh, coasted through okay Uh, he didn't make it a big uh, a a big timet so I can say that uh, as an enemy I feared him a potential enemy who could do me wrong if I made one misstep one liberal misstep but at the same time he backed off and uh, showed me some respect and treated me with dignity. So I was a, a bifurcated John Wayne that I had to deal with.
0: Fascinating. And Ed, I, I'm such a a big fan. If you wouldn't mind, just going back to, uh, to Mary Tyler Moore, that was a time in American culture when Saturday night was the big night for television, which is no longer the case today. Um, you guys really own Saturday nights. That that must have been thrilling for you.
1: Yeah, it was. It was.
0: I because
1: it was a weak sister until we came along, or we and all the other comedy shows that uh, we we populated Saturday night with to institute the turnaround and uh, to make it a. A laugh. To, to know that people were staying home on Saturday night to watch the comedies and uh, etc. cetera uh, gave me a great deal of pleasure. We saved them a lot of money, too. Uh,
0: absolutely. And that closing scene of the last episode when you're all gathered in the newsroom and it's a long way to Tipperary, um, I would imagine everybody was crying not only for the cameras but off the cameras.
1: Hey, guys, wasn't that a great send-off? Dad, you couldn't have said anything that would make us feel
0: better about leaving. You know something, Mr. Grant? Now that it's over,
1: I don't feel as bad as I thought I was going to. In fact, I feel pretty good, I really do. And I owe it all to you. Thanks. What's the matter? You got ice water in your veins? (laughs) (laughs) Did you realize this is the last time we'll all see this room?
0: Of course i realize it,
1: Mr. Grant. I don't really feel good. That's why I wanted to say to you... Mary, you promised. Mr. Grant, why won't you let me say what I want to say? Because you'll just make a big deal out of it. That's why, and I don't want that. But, uh... Don't, uh... Let me spoil your evening. Let's... Let's make this simple. And, uh... In case... I don't see you again. I just like to say. So. Yeah, we. Uh, I certainly knew what what I was. Uh, that I, I was closing a door on on a an area a subject I knew quite well, and I didn't know what the future
0: would bring. And do you still speak to Betty White?
1: Well, I, she's somewhat incommunicado right now. I haven't tried lately. But I, if she's answering the phone these days, then I hope to eventually mail her on the phone.
0: And uh, I love that Paul Rudd, another Kansas City boy, wrote the forward to Son of a Junk Man. And you had a wonderful experience on Broadway with him, and I think it was Michael Shannon? Yeah.
1: Well, you know, you get two Jews together,
0: and uh, it's hard to stop them. Exactly, exactly. Um, and and just to wrap up, uh, you know, it's such a joy to talk to you. You've been active in so many different causes uh, and issues, um, and uh, your life has been so so fascinating. Are you most proud of anything in particular that you've done on screen or off screen?
1: I'm just proud of the collective work I've done, the collective honors I've gotten. I uh, uh, the work is the work is the joy. That's I do the work before the for the joy it gives me. And uh, now since this pandemic for the past year plus. I've been uh, handling a lot of mail, and I have to build up a resistance against all the flattery I get in the mail. And uh, I can't believe it too strongly because it's, it means I, uh, I'll uh, stop working and uh, wearing my badge proudly. So I want to keep the badge polished.
0: There you go. And I know you were in an episode of Modern Family last year. What else is on your plans going forward? What can we look forward to seeing you in?
1: I'm going to do a you know, one-line in, uh, in a Muppet special. And um, I just did an animated movie for a friend of mine named Nicholas. See how that turns out. My, my IMDb listing is... So uh, extensive that uh, uh, n- nothing is uh, is really an adventure anymore. For instance, there was a good period of time there where I was very intensively working on uh, animation and doing voices all over the place. Andrea Romano was the main director at a lot of those shows, and she'd hire me all the time. Well, they, they don't hire me as frequently now, but
0: uh, my history was
1: established there. So if they don't hire me, then it's
0: their loss. And, uh, well, well we, we sure remember you from Pixar's film Up. That was uh, a tremendous role as Carl Fredrickson.
1: I am nobody's master, got it? I don't want you here, and I don't want you here. I'm stuck with you. And if you two don't clear out of here by the time I count to three. A ball! Oh, boy, oh, boy, a ball! ball? Yeah, yeah. You, you want a ball? Oh, 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 oh. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, I do. I do
0: ever so want the ball. Go get it! Oh boy! Oh boy! I will get it and then bring
1: it back. Quick, Russell! Give me some chocolate.
0: Why? Just give it to me. Bird! Bird!
1: Oh. Uh. Uh. Come on, Russell. Wait, wait, Mr. Fredericksen! Uh. 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 What are we doing? Uh. Uh. Hey uh we're pretty far now. Kevin's gonna miss me. I think that did the trick.
0: Hi, master.
1: Afternoon. Now that was one, one piece of work I will always be grateful for. That that and elf, the two the two films that I get the most attention for and from, and uh, they they give me pleasure every time I think of
0: them. Well, you have given a lot of us a lot of pleasure for a lot of years, and uh, I was so glad that you agreed to have a chat with us uh, here today, Ed, and uh, many, many more years of health, and uh, to you and your family, it's an absolute joy to speak to you.
1: You're very kind. Thank you.